We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you. Welcome to another edition of the Dog or Pass podcast. This for UFC DC, Washington DC. Washington. All right, check one. Video is on. Yeah. Check yeah. two. Graphics have been made. Your Not mic for is the on? entire card. Is your mic on, Paul? Yes. I'm pretty sure. Is my mic on, Paul? Yeah. Are we live right now, Paul? We'll find out. Okay. We'll find out afterwards. Excellent. Um, Cody Saftik. Is obviously here two in week studio break, after the two, yeah. two week hiatus. We're back. It's a card. It's not the best card. Next week's card is like this is the appetizer for next. This week. is yeah, just a mozzarella little sticks. taste, yeah. a little taste. A little chicken tendies on the table. Um, but yeah, before we get to that uh, giveaways, obviously there was actually no giveaway last week or the week two weeks ago because. I, screw, I screwed up and didn't put anything on my mic and then just re- released it as an audio podcast. Um, I guess some people said that the audio wasn't that bad, but I guess there's a little bit of a... It's a thing where it's just like... You owe the people 20 DK dollars, pal. <laughs> I mean, we've been giving away so many DK That's dollars. True. And in all fairness, it's like it shouldn't really be your responsibility to produce and direct the show while also starring in said show, but... Hopefully we have an intern starting in the next little bit. So something to look forward to in the New Year, Paul. Yeah, the Zach attack. Zach attack. Zach attack Zachy is Zachy. on. He will, uh, he will be... Chad, st- but Zach got to step up now. He will be stepping up and in to uh, help us with all of the directorial duties and stuff like that. Um, probably in the new year. I think his schedule is a little bit dicey with when we decide to record this. But that's besides the point. If you want to get into a draw for 20 DK dollars this week, tell me and Cody in the comments section. So you give the episode a like, leave your DK handle, 
and then say which fight on this card you are most looking forward to outside of the main event. Because I'm sure everyone wants, like, you know, main event between Alistair Overeem and Jairzinho Rosenstrike is like... It's got excitement right now. Someone's getting hurt. Somebody's getting hurt, and it's going to be a good time, at least for, for us. But uh, hopefully, if we're on the right side of it, this is fucking dicey, which we'll get to in a minute. Oh yeah, and like at the yeah, look in the timestamps. We'll get to the DraftKings pricing and all of that type of stuff at the end of the episode. We're just gonna go through and make our picks um, before we do any of that. But before we get to that, let's just have a quick little word from our sponsor. Just a heads up, by the way. Don't miss undefeated middleweight world champion Jamal Charlo as he defends his title against highly ranked contender Dennis Hogan live Saturday, December 7th at 9 p.m. Eastern on Showtime. Back to the show. Alistair Overeem takes on Jair Zinho Rosenstrike in the main event of UFC DC. Overeem minus 120 favorite. Jair Zinho Rosenstrike is plus 100. Pick'em fight. Heavyweight fight. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Overeem has all of the experience in the world. He's fought in Pride. He's fought in Strike Force. He's killed uh, Brock Lesnar. K1 champion. I mean, uh, Overeem is the more well-rounded fighter. No doubt. By by leaps and bounds. But what I told you last time, my boy Jairzinho went out. I know. This you guy, did tell me. You did tell me. This guy's got the death touch, man. And you know who struggles against guys with the death touch? Guys who have been down this exact same path before, when they put, I'm not saying that he's Nganu, but I'm saying that he's getting put on the same path as Nganu. Give him Arlovsky, give him Overeem, you knock out both of those guys, then we have a new heavyweight contender in the mix that they can kind of, you know, they can put into some main event spots, that type of thing. I keep wanting to trust Alistair Overeem here. I don't know if I'm going to actually bet this, it's just... It's heavyweights, man, and it's priced appropriately. I could totally see Alistair Overeem taking Rosenstrike down, exploiting him there. Nobody's been able to do that yet, but that's because he hasn't really taken on anybody that has that skill set to do it. But if he just eats one yeah, clean one, really and then the and one. then is is having a canvas nap, I'm not going to be shocked. Uh, right now, my pick is Overeem on DraftKings. At the end of the show, we'll talk about it. You're going to need one of these guys. I would very much imagine. Like the over under total is a pick 'em basically at one and a half rounds for it to go over. So it's like somebody's probably getting a first round finish or at least a second round finish. Like this is probably not going five rounds. No. Um, you're going to need the, you're, you're going to need the guy. If you're doing lots of lineups, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit, but Overeem is the pick for the purposes of this show. What about you? Yeah. I mean, Overeem for as shaky as he is, he does got all the skills in the world. And we keep talking about, we probably needs to take this fight to the ground. He probably needs to exploit the shaky ground game of your Zeno. He probably needs to do all this stuff. He can actually beat, yeah, you know, in a striking match. The problem mm-hmm. is, it's like, ooh, how how long do you want to try to play that game with mm-hmm. yours truck before you're done? Before we had he this discussion you. against Nganu. Before same thing. Yeah, yeah. And with Nganu, it's the same thing. It's just like, you know what? You are a former K1 champion. You are a decorated kickboxer. You could defeat this guy in a kickboxing match. At the same time, this is heavyweights. It's not even just like this guy's got to get a ton of power. It's like everybody's got a ton of power. And Alistair Overeem's a guy with a ton of knockout losses on his record. Now, Arlovsky... Here's a guy with a ton of knockout losses on his record, figured out a way to adapt his game to avoid getting hit and avoid getting knocked out. Unfortunately, when you, when you run into a touch of death, 
glancing blows are enough to knock you the fuck out. So it, you, now you're playing with a different type of fire. And in this case, he's dealing with the same thing. He's got to exploit that ground game. He's got to do that. But I have a feeling that that is the game plan. He is very much someone who's aware of the same things we're talking about. This guy's a heavy power puncher. He's eight years younger than me. And yeah, I'm not 2008 Alistair Overeem eating horse meat K1 champion. I'm 11 years removed from my K1 title fighting in the UFC two fight winning streak. But at the same time, like I have seen better days. I'm 39 years old. I've got to be smart here. I think he will be smart. I think he'll take this fight to the ground and beat him up there. Where you say nobody's done this before. It's like we did see him slightly exploited a little bit when he was fighting in Ryzen over in Japan. But more so than that, Junior Albini was taking this guy down at will. That guy wears a fucking diaper. Yeah, yeah. And and did very <laughs> similar to most Albini performances. At some point, he just shits the bed, can't hold him yeah. down, and gets back up. Uh, similar to remember when Nunganu made his debut and it was just like, oh, man. This Brazilian guy's got some wrestling, be able to take him down. It's just like, yeah, may- maybe, but can he hold him down? Because if he can, he's in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. If over him gets you down, he's got nasty ground and pound. And above all else, he's actually got a pretty good submission game. He's really good at holding guys down. And if he can just tire down uh, Rosenstruck a little bit, yeah, who knows? Maybe the longer this goes, it's not going five. I don't think it's going five. But I think Overeem's smart enough to realize I don't got to beat this guy in the first round. I could maybe drag him into two and three times. Yes, I got to get takedowns. I got to, you know, stay at range. But when he fought Junior DeSantos, do I want to strike with Junior DeSantos? No. Can I take Junior DeSantos down? Yeah, it's going to be tough. Stay at distance. Let him make the moves. So that's one thing I really noticed in Rosenstruck's last couple of fights is like Alan Crowder, that's Alan Crowder. He touches him, he goes down. But what happened in the Arlovsky fight? Arlovsky decides to charge at this guy, straight on the line, doesn't move his head, throws a three-piece combination, all of which pull up short, and he just gets touched the one time and he falls over. But Alistair Overeem doesn't do that. He's not going to charge forward. Mm-hmm. He charges forward if he's got you hurt. He charges you forward back in the day when he was chomping at the bit, let me get at him. But now he's a lot more reserved. He's a counter-striker. So he's going to need Rosenstruck to be the guy moving forward. If Rosenstruck's moving forward, Overeem's counter-punching. That's Overeem's game. Mm-hmm. If Rosenstruck's not moving forward, Overeem's okay standing back and just throwing kicks. And the longer that Rosenstruck is not doing anything, eventually Overeem's got to set up this takedown. But I'm not one of these guys that's like live or die by like, oh, dude, if he doesn't get the takedown, he's fucked. If he gets punched one no. time, he's fucked. But it, but, but Alistair you, have, to, you have to factor in that you have yeah. a guy that's got a track record. Alistair does seem to have really. a lot more paths to victory here. He's a, well, that, he's a much more well-rounded but Rosen, martial arts. Rosenstrike's path is just lights out, game over. Yeah. It's it's when If he wins this fight, it's going to be very, very convincing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and listen, Overeem has struggled with guys like Alexei Olenek in spots where it's like Olenek is 40-plus and is winging bombs and you're having trouble. Like, you should just be cruising on these guys. But look at that Sergei Pavlovich fight. He's a plus 105 underdog in the Pavlovich fight. Two-fight losing streak. Pavlovich is undefeated, Russian guy, built up, a lot of quick finishes. It's easy to get behind him and discredit Overeem. But Overeem, he beats, he looked good in that fight, actually. Coming to this, it's like, you know how it is, man. We've been around this game long enough that you get three knockouts like Rosenstruck, you're the man now. He's headlining a card in D.C. And, and, and the talk is, this guy goes out and knocks out Alistair Overeem. We've got a title contender. we got somebody that can realistically maybe, Nganu's going to fight for the belt next, obviously, Stipe DC3, and then we'll go Nganu. And then we got a guy waiting in the wings that might be a win away here. But a win over Alistair Overeem solidifies him. But Alistair Overeem, he's gatekeeper now. He's 39. Even though he's on a two-fight winning streak, eh, he's a mid-pack guy, can't take a punch anymore, can't fight the elite level. Like, there's a narrative that's being written here, but based on what? Like, what's Rosenstruck? realistically showing you Peter Lovsky who by the way Alistair Overeem has like it's not 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 the biggest thing in the world he'd be Alan Crowder and Junior Albini like these are guys that Overeem would look spectacular against them as well yeah 
So the hype is not warranted quite yet. You go out and you knock out Overeem, that's big. You go out with a follow-up performance, you beat another top five, top 10 heavyweight, that's big. Then you solidify yourself. But let's remind everybody, when he comes to the UFC here, he's 30 years old, he's got an established kickboxing career, and he's undefeated in MMA. And we all tape studied him. He was no good. He did not look good. But he fought Junior Albini, who despite taking him down a bunch, he beats. Then he fights Alan Crowder. Alan Crowder, Paul. Yeah. And he beats him. Arlovsky's at least a name, but you see what I mean? It's like there's there's just not enough from Rosenstruck. So listen, I think it's a 50-50 fight, and I want to take dog or pass, but there's no real dog. So I think Alistair Overeem should be probably a bigger favorite than 120. He's the guy that I would go with. Am I certain of this one? No. Am I super confident? No. But yeah, you got to go with one side of this, especially at the end of the show when we talk about DraftKings, because the winner of this fight is going to probably score very large and be on the winning lineup, but I'm going to have to go with Overeem. Co-main event, we've got Marina Rodriguez taking on Cynthia Calvillo. Marina Rodriguez is a minus 130 favorite coming off of a win over Tisha Torres. Cynthia Calvillo can be had a 4 plus 110. Here's the, you know, I'm always like the guy on this show who always says like, oh, you know, you got to, uh, you know, you got to watch the weigh-ins and stuff. That's not relevant when it comes to Cynthia Calvillo. <laughs> Maybe she she burned me good when she uh, when she came in looking like death, and uh, and still managed to pull off the win. Um, Rodriguez, that's a good win over Tisha Torres. That's a uh, top ten caliber, or top five, top ten, top ten for sure caliber type of opponent. It was kind of a predictably boring, slow paced type like of striking affair, match, but yeah. that's how every Tisha Torres fight is, and yeah, just, yeah. just to win yeah. at her game. Is is pretty good, Calvillo. She, I struggle with her because I'm. She comes from the gym where it's just like, oh, you know, they've all got wrestling and so on and so forth. But it's like, at the end of the day, this girl is not like a collegiate wrestler. This girl was a waitress at a uh, a cheesecake factory before doing this i'm sure she's improved her wrestling but like she doesn't have that pedigree or anything like that i don't think that she's exceptional um honestly i think marina rodriguez can do enough on the feet keep it away keep it away from the mat and um and outpoint cynthia calvillo on the feet here to a decision um minus 130 don't hate it uh it's a little bit early in the week i'm not going to be placing a bet on it i don't love it but uh, marina rodriguez is the pick for me what about you yeah yeah it's a hard pass for me but i think i'm gonna have to start with marina rodriguez uh cynthia calvillo was originally preparing for claudia gidelli in the spot so she's getting a full cam and was preparing for not an elite competitor these days but a big name competitor a former could have been champion you know somebody who's got some status in the division so i think she's going to be well prepared for this whereas marina rodriguez is coming in like two weeks notice replacing her she's gonna have yeah, I see why it's minus 130. Or sorry, I see why it's a close fight. But I, I would want a better price on Marina Rodriguez to pull the trigger on her, even though yeah. she's my pick. Going to have to hit the pass on this. The issue with Cynthia Cavillo is, yeah, yeah, just like you mentioned, she doesn't have that pedigree that she comes from. It. She's a hard worker. She's improved a lot. Apparently, she's like one of the striking coaches, I guess, at Team Alpha Male now, like showing people combinations. Like she's worked on her striking lots. She's worked on her wrestling lots. But I'm very important to note, she's 32 years old. This is not some prospect that came out of nowhere. This is somebody that would got a late start to it, got it on, got a good little run going, beat Joanne Calderwood. And then it's that fight with Carlos Sparza. Here's a crossroads here. We got Cynthia Calvillo, who's undefeated, looks like she's a prospect in the making. Um, 
She's got the goods here. Team Alpha Male. She's on a winning streak. Just beat Joanne Calderwood. Perfect. Versus Carlos Barza, the former champion, on her way down. Both wrestlers. That's when you got a real idea. It's like, no, no, no. Carlos Barza is a former collegiate wrestler. Carlos Barza has made real improvements through striking. She looked like she had very poor judgment in the Carlos Barza fight. Bad ring IQ, so to speak. And her two follow performances beyond that. The Pollyanna Botello fight. I hear everybody say the same thing, just like you. This girl looked dead on the scale. They were I thought her they up. should cancel the fight. Should probably cancel the fight. We'll, like, we'll talk about Aspen Lyman. Here's a, a thing or two. Really I had dead no, on the scale no too. interest in like rostering or playing. Like that's Switch my pick. And Switch then my I pick walked that way in, like, switched everything, cost me a ton of money. Like yeah, it was yeah. just like, you know what? You overthink these things sometimes. And I did in that case for sure. For sure. For sure. I'm going to make a counter to that whole point is that she submitted Pollyanna Batello in the first round. Right? Yeah. What if she did? And it's late in the first round. What if that got to a second round? What if it managed to get to a third round? Then she might have had some serious issues. And against Marina Rodriguez, she's not going to submit her in the first round. So, yeah, if she looks bad on the scales, I expect Marina Rodriguez to push a pace for three rounds. She looks like she can push a pace. Her fight with Ronda Marcos, you know, was kind of a hectic pace. Uh, her last fight with Tisha Torres, again, Tisha Torres is a sparring match. It's give and go, but... Torres comes at you. Yeah, it's fast. It's a lot of output going on here. She's long. She's rangy. She can keep you at the end of the punches. Main thing is she's got to keep this fight standing. But I don't have enough faith in Cynthia Calvillo to come in with the game plan of consistently shoot takedowns. I think she's going to try to strike with her. And her being the shorter fighter, I think she's going to be coming up on the shorter end of said strikes. But there's no discrediting that she she does have the full camp. She is prepared. I, I think Rodriguez has got to come down what from Brazil to for this fight. So there's some travel logistics there as well. It's a hard pass, but but the pick is Rodriguez. We got Ben Rothwell taking on Stefan Struve. Ben Rothwell minus one forty. Stefan Struve plus one twenty. Both of these guys pretty much dust at this point. But who is more dust, Cody? Who Saftik? is more dust? That is the real question. That's actually what I wanted our uh, giveaway to be this week. But I thought I guess Cody was like the voice of reason. Maybe it's a little unfair to refer to fighters as dust, but. After recent performances from most of these guys, it's you can't feel great about either side of this. Um, but like depends. Rothwell was off for so long, off, yeah, involuntarily well, he, off, uh, involuntary. three fucking years, man. Yeah, and he's getting old, and obviously <laughs> getting old. He, he is old. He needed his vitamins. Oh, he's a heavyweight. Everybody's like, did he need his vitamins? When you were talking this, about like this, this guy, never once to me looked like he was on anything. Probably was because he had great cardio for a big EPO. man. Yeah, yeah, because he had great cardio for a big guy. Remember when he would like, yeah, get that, get that crazy look in his eye? Dude, he was becoming a fan favorite. Like, he had a bit of a momentum. He was choking. He choked out Josh Barnett with a 10-figure guillotine choke. Like, he was well on his way. Mm -hmm. And then Uncle Usada knocked on the door and ruined everything. And boy, oh boy, is he not looked the same whatsoever. Stephen Strews is like a stand-up heavyweight. Or, uh, he obviously, he's got a good ground game because of, like, his height and and length and stuff like that. He has a pretty decent triangle choke, but like he's not going to catch Ben Rothwell on that. I don't think at least. Um, he's just a guy who had like all of the tools, all of the intangibles. He's still actually pretty young for being a heavyweight, despite having uh, just so much experience. He just never learned how to like benefit from his God given length. Like the guy doesn't know doesn't know how to really throw a jab. Or he doesn't know how to effectively use a jab, uh, keep guys away from him. There's no sting on like the majority of his punches. Well, I I think I'm gonna go back to the well on Ben Rothwell here. Hopefully he's uh, he's found some new vitamins. Found uh, he, maybe he's taking his strength and conditioning 
a little bit more seriously. You're not going to be able to tell any of that from the weigh-ins. He's going to look like a like a big old slob. But yeah, but yeah, Rothwell's a pick. I just have no faith in Struve anymore. What about you? Yeah, yeah. Well, you're in a very hard position here because you've got Ben Rothwell on a three-fight losing streak who, who is 0-2 since his long absence and just does not look good at all versus Stefan Struve. Actually won his last fight, surprisingly enough. And just has not looked the same whatsoever. So who do you go with? Like, neither guy you can have any real vote of confidence in. Both guys have let you down and are very much capable of letting you down again. But yeah, I mean, as styles make fights, Ben Rothwell's biggest issue is that he's no output. He sits there, fucks around a lot, but there's no actual substance, man. You gotta do something. It's a prize fight. Not enough substance out of him. Andre Olovsky outworking you, standing there, Bad move. The Blue got the Blagoy Ivanov fight. I thought he won only because I have money on him, but it was just like Jesus Christ, man, what are you doing? Marches you down, doesn't do shit. Luckily for him, is like Stefan Struve just doesn't have the legs to move back, you know? And like yet yeah, he doesn't use his range. He's un- not a very mobile guy. And I don't know. Just yeah, he never used any of his gifts properly. But beyond that is that like his gift is also his curse, right? Because the two things about Stefan Struve is that one, and he's fought the who's who's of power punches in this division. Well, yeah, maybe he's got a bit of a suspect chin. He has a suspect chin because he's so fucking tall, dude. Like, he literally stands straight up. They smash him with overhands. He just crumples to the ground. Eh. And again, he's fought a who's who of murderous power punches. But the bigger than that is that, like, when he is on his back, could he throw up a triangle? Yeah, we've seen it. Could he throw up an arm bar? I suppose. Does he have a crafty little ground game? Yeah, he won his last fight with an arm triangle. You know, prior to that, he has that fight, that Dennis Stoichnitz fight from way back in the day. Got a crafty little submission game. But he's so big, if you get on top of him, he can't get back up. Yeah, like o- over him when over him just took him, like put him up, Dude, blasted him up t- against the cage, took him down yeah, and yeah, just yeah. a couple strikes and it was Yeah, it was yeah, and, and he actually just football tackled him to the ground. Like there was yeah. no setup on the technique. No. It was just like... He's so I, tall, I, it's hard to defend I, these types of things. He can't defend this shit. No. He's got a chance of defending up against the cage. Because he's so long, he can lean on the cage and just use that general length. It's hard to pick him up off his feet. But in the open field, like he's fair game. Anybody with a decent amount of wrestling takes him down open field he's fair game that's always kind of been his issue now is ben rothwell gonna go shoot a double leg in the open field no no so bit of a problem but i have enough faith that he's just gonna back Stephen struve up against the cage control him against the cage do a little bit more use that dirty boxing work the body a little bit use his uppercuts in the clinch and if for whatever reason he can complete the takedown That'd be it, dude. He'll just stay on top of him, pound him away. I'm not 100% sure this fight is a finish. I mean, yes, Stephen Struve has a bit of a history of getting finished. Ben Rothwell, or Ben Rothwell, he's cast iron. Not fucking finishing this guy. Stephen Struve especially. I have a feeling it's going to hit the over. I have a feeling that the winner is going to pick up a decision. Definitely some value if you go in that direction. But I don't want to tell you straight up pass. What I'm telling you is like both these guys have shit in my apple pie before. Mm-hmm. And I'm not interested in adding them to the pie again. But uh, but yeah, I, I would have more faith in Ben Rothwell coming in here. My trust forty, not the worst. In these types of situations, I don't know if you're the same, but I just kind of just trust durability. Give me the more durable guy, even if he's you know he's forty points more. It's it's he's a minus one forty favorite. He's not you know it's not a pick him, but just give me the more dur- especially at heavyweight. Just give me the more durable heavyweight historically, and that's Ben Rothwell. Of course, of course. And I think if you're not going to, if you do the real tape study on it, right? If you just look at it on paper, it's like, oh, yeah, Ben Rothwell, bad losing streak, and ah, Stephen Struve. But Stephen Struve's the one coming off the win. When you look at that Marcos Rogerio de Lima fight, 
he got fucked up in that first mm-hmm. round, dude. He gets dropped. He says afterwards he doesn't remember what the fuck happened. And then he retires. Takes off his gloves, puts them in the middle of the ring, and says, I'm done here, guys. I did not enjoy that. And then 10 months later, all right, I'll do it one more time. Like, that's 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 not what you look to put your money behind. So Ben Roth was the pick. The moment everybody has been waiting for. Cody's baby, Aspen Ladd. Back in action after her uh, first professional defeat. She's a minus 155 favorite against Yana Kunitskaya. What's your take here, Cody? Yeah, I mean, can't go against my baby, but got to be worried. I mean, you know when you're talking about, like, you don't really care about watching the weigh-ins all the time because sometimes it leads you in a bad judgment. It's like, Aspen Ladd is not someone who just had a bad weight cut the last time. Aspen Ladd's someone who's had a bad weight cut throughout the entire course of her career. Like, she used to fight at 125, and it was just unbelievably but awful. She just wouldn't make it. Yeah, no, <laughs> would not make it. So she moves up to 135. And I remember this interview where they were like, oh, it's probably way easier now making 135. And she's like, no, it's actually harder now to make 135. Because in moving up a weight class, I filled out, I put more muscle on, and now I'm even bigger. Now I'm cutting more weight. So now fighting at 35, I mean, she's still really young. And you're seeing it. It's like, I think I think it's a mixture of things. I think, one, she is continuously getting bigger. She's a big, thick gal. Two C's on that. But also, like, I don't think she's particularly good at cutting weight. Like, what's her background? She didn't wrestle in college. She has no idea how to cut weight. She starts fighting. She's young. She's just fighting at 125. Now she's growing. She can't make 25. So she fights at 35. Now she's growing. She can't make 35. They're going to put her at 45. Like, I, I don't think, I don't know who her nutrition is. If you look at any of her stuff online, she just does her own shit, you know? Goes for hikes, preps her own meals. Mom's a total smoke show. Yeah, total there we go. I'm, those, I'm, are, those are class A genetics. Pogi, our our, our boy Pogi Rob put me in line with that. And then I ended up watching a couple of her hula hoop videos. Yeah, unbelievable. We'll see right? that there. But yeah, she, his, her mom's. Total baby. Yeah, the people are like, is that your sister? And she's like, ah, my sister, it's my mom. <laughs> and right and everyone's like, like huge yeah, yeah. mistake. Why would you tell people Why would that? you tell the internet this? Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, so if you're, uh, after you're done the show, obviously. No, our kids are going to look maybe, maybe go check it out. Yeah, 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 for sure. But anyways, yeah, I, I think she's got all the tools in the world to beat Giannis Kunikea. It's a lot of different question marks surrounding her. And is she going to have another bad weight cut? I'm going to lean towards probably. And then you got to look at the physical skills here. I love the girl. Let's look at the physical skills here. She's got she's she's a go-getter. She pushes a pace, but everything is raw. Everything is not clean technique. Her striking, she never moves her head. And the punches never come back straight to her chin. Mm-hmm. She does not protect herself. She's easily open there. Now, she's got great cardio. She pushes a pace. Even though she might be having a bad weight cut, there's no doubt she's a fighter. No doubt she has a heart. But that Senara Eubanks fight, if you've seen the first fight in Victa, it's like, oh, this is a young, growing Aspen lad versus Eubanks is already established. She's already won like a jiu-jitsu world championship. She's like 2-0 and or something. She's supposed to be the thing. And it's just like, oh man, Aspen Ladd, she's a developing fighter. They meet three, four years later. It's like, it should be Aspen Ladd all day. And it's like, she, she seemingly like almost regressed. She just got clobbered at will against Eubanks. Thank God the judges side with her, give her the decision. But she didn't look good at all in that fight. It was mostly Eubanks gassing out seriously helped. Mm-hmm. Now moving forward, she, you know, I got a backer in her last fight. Okay, you know what? We got to go against Jermaine Durandamy. Jermaine Durandamy, fucking huge for the weight class. Bonafide, actually good striker. Won a title at 145 against Holly Holm. Punches are clean down the pipe. Crisp technique. That's all stuff that Aspen Lad doesn't have. How's Lad? And, you know, I'm foolish because I thought Lad, 
She's gonna push up pace. She's gonna push her up against the cage. She's gonna eventually drag her to the mat. She's gonna tire her. She's gonna break her. But it's just like one single clean punch lands and you're in Shit's Creek. Uh, it was and sexist, whereas, Cody. It was sexist. Yeah, that was the whackest shit. Poor Herb Dean. Is he imagine if he had to ref this shit again? He'd be like, listen, bitch, you're yeah. gonna take a fucking beating this time before I stop it. After that, after you brought me to the commission. Yeah, based on yeah, that that whole situation was kind of I think just, we talked about I, it on the show before, but yeah, it's just like I was disappointed. I mean, everybody saw how sick you looked at the weigh-ins. So, like, the ref is going to just naturally want... He's in there to try to protect you. Of course. So, when he sees you looking like you probably shouldn't fight the next day, he's going to look for the first opportunity where it looks like you're in trouble, and he's going to he's gonna probably step in faster than he should have. But if she weighs in, looks great the day before, probably not the same situation. For sure. Like, he probably lets sure. that go or lets her recover when she's I think, on the ground. I thought in that moment, least. there's no way this fight is going to go on tomorrow. Like, she looks so bad at the way. It looks like she's having a seizure. Like, she, her jaw is just, like, you know, clattering away 100 miles an hour. She's shaking. She, it's just like, oh, my God, dude, she looks deathly ill. And then you're going to put her in there tomorrow versus a girl who's going to rehydrate back up to, like, 45, 46 uh, is a world-renowned striking specialist, defeated a man once upon a time, is, like, is a world... She's a world champion. Never defended the titles. Totally yeah. paperweight champ. Ran away from totally the title when they said, jam. you should fight Cyborg. But, but all the hey. same, it's like, yeah, this wasn't a tune-up fight against a nobody. It wasn't just like a local fight to get the local crowd pumped up. It's just like, this is a fight with actual ramifications towards it. I didn't think the fight should continue, and all the same, she lost. So even if she has a better weight cut here, I'm sure she's not going to like that bad. I'm sure she's going to make some adjustments. I'm sure she's going to come in more prepared. But all the same, it's like when you have a bad weight cut, your chin gets compromised. And yes, in that fight versus Jermaine Durant, I mean, she was done. Well, what would have happened if her didn't stop it? Jermaine would have just hit her five or six more times. Like, well, what was the outcome of that? Did she think she was going to recover, get back up, and win the fight? I didn't see it. But I think a lot of that was... Her being calm. She took bigger shots. Eh, maybe not bigger shots. She took great shots against Eubanks and took them well. But the difference there is that it wasn't a bad weight cut. Mm-hmm. Now, again, you're getting older. You're getting bigger. Your brain, these weight cuts, they keep hitting you. And she's compromising herself a little bit. Kunitz K is no joke. She spent a lot of time on Greg Jackson. She comes from a, a striking background. She has decent ground game on her own. Mm-hmm. I think Aspen Ladd wins this fight. I do. But she's she might be half compromised. 155. <sighs> I actually think we're getting value on her. She, she, if she still comes out here and has a clean cut like, and and has improved a showing of skills, but I don't want my love for my bebe to blind me of the fact that like I'm not overly impressed when I'm watching her fight. Yeah, like I'm horny, but I'm not overly <laughs> impressed. Right? There's a difference. So you know that ace. God damn. Um, I I just think that what Kunitskaya does well, like the the, the issue I would be concerned about is like. She's just Yana Kunitskaya is not going to throw anything back that's going to be like stinging. It's not going to drop her or drop uh, Aspen Lad like Jermaine Duran to be did in one in right. one strike. Kunitskaya keeps a pretty high pace. She's been doing a lot of training at the uh, the UFC PI recently. You see her on like those on the Habib videos or whatever that one channel is. So she's kind of she's a uh, she's an alley guy. So I know you know th- Paul. Uh, Conspiracy theorists would think that I would be all in on her, but I'm telling you guys, I'm just the Tony Martin guy these days. Um, (laughs) No, I think I think at minus 155. I mean, I think we based on what happened. That's the most I'd be willing to pay. I think based on what we saw last time from her, 
I think it is very important. This is a spot where I think watching the weigh-ins is very important um, based on the fact that she looked horrible and then went out there and, and, and fought horribly. But I, I, I think I this line sticks around this price. Like, I think we're actually getting value here. I just don't think that Yana Kunitskaya has the, uh, the skill set to really fend off the pressure that Aspen Ladd will bring to the fight. So I, I'm willing to jump back on at this price of minus 155 Aspen Ladd. Let's move on. We've got Song Yudong taking on Cody Stamen. Song Yudong is minus 200 favorite. Stamen plus 170. Big step up for Song Yudong training out of, uh, Team Alpha Male with those guys. This the one thing I think about this fight is think about a gym that just is just loaded with, with guys Stamen. like Cody Stamen. Yeah, We've talked about these types of, of things Stamen. before. It was when uh, who was it when uh, Andre Feely took on Dennis Bermudez? Same exact situation. You're like, you know what is littered with Dennis Bermudez's Team Alpha Male. Um, I like uh, I liked the line a little bit uh, before. I see some people, our boy Mike's MMA picks is on this at like minus one sixty five. Song Yudong, I like that a lot more. It is his big a big step up. Stamen is no joke, but I think he'll be ready for this specific type of opponent. So the pick here is Song Yudong. What about you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you definitely make a great point. You mean Song Yudong has not only trained with Cody Stamen ten times by now. It's like, yeah, when he beat Vince Morales, like Vince Morales is a poor man's Cody Stamen. Like, they all have that similar style. They're power wrestlers, decent striking. Cody Stamen is a lot more driven than those guys. He's a little bit cleaner with his grappling, his wrestling, not really as good as I think a lot of people think it is. But he's just got a way of winning, you know? He's in a lot of close fights where he'll just slightly outpoint you, do a little bit more than you, a little bit cleaner work, get the victory. I think the fight with Aljamain Sterling was a real eye-opener of, like, where this guy's limitations are at. He's 30 years old. He had a good standout regional show career before he came to the UFC. I just don't know that there's going to be enough out of Cody Stamen moving forward to really be world championship quality. Whereas Song Yudong, dude, dude fucking 22 years old, 3-0 in the UFC, has looked awesome. And, like, looking good against, you know, Felipe Ranches and Vince Morales, but the weasel, Alejandro Perez, this motherfucker not easy to look good against. No, never. Not easy to look good against. Right cross, folds this guy two mm. minutes. It's like... Everybody always talks about economics when they're talking about the Chinese taking over. But it's so much more than that. It's like their athletes are also going to eventually take over. Like it's only a matter of time. They didn't know wrestling. They didn't know jiu-jitsu. They didn't know proper Western boxing and proper. They know they know kickboxing. They know San Chow. But it's like that next crop of Asian talents definitely hitting now. And in the next five, ten years, you're going to see, I think, a lot more of them crop up. And Song Yudong's that next wave, dude. He's one of those Enbo kids, meaning that like he was a child, dropped out of the gym, trained since he was a kid. He's got all the skills in the world. They brought in Western coaches. He knows what it's all about. And then as soon as they know, smart, smart people, as soon as they know, this guy's capped out. Do we let him fight in China on the regional scene against guys that will just fly in and bums and do nothing for him? Or will we send him to to alpha male in the states and he can train with the best guys and he can fight in the ufc and we'll build him up and ufc knows that they need these asian stars they're willing to work with him and they're mm -hmm. willing to build him up and they're doing him a favor here so stamen loses his last fight and then actually he bails out of a fight with rob font with an injury he's been off for 10 months again i mentioned he's 30 years old i got the guy on facebook good guy training hard very driven truly believes he's one of the best in the world truly believes this is his coming out party I'm getting the feeling it's you the other way around. Slide in those DMs. I'd be like, "What up, dog? You gonna win?" I fucking hate people that do that. Oh, like, bad. as if they know. As if like, yeah, well, I'm gonna win. 
Of I'm going away. Like, what do you think yeah, a fighter like, would, why would you say? Somebody that what do you think a fighter's going to yeah, say? Yeah. No, I'm actually going to go in there and get absolutely shit kicked. Yeah, so. yeah. Or a Bob Sap. <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? No, if you if you thought even like, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's like then you shouldn't be fighting. No, no these guys are. These are I've always said you have right? to be supremely confident to just get in there in front of all of those people and and fight somebody in yeah, a cage. Yeah. Come on. I always say, dude, if you want to be a pro fighter, you have to be an optimist. You have to truly believe I'm going to win this fight. I'm one of the best in the world. I'm going to show everybody. If you're a pessimist, you'd be like, "Fuck that, dude! I'm gonna get my ass kicked. I'm not fighting." If you're a realist, you'd be like, "Fuck that, dude! I'm gonna get my ass kicked. I'm not fighting." You gotta be an optimist and be like, I'm all in on this. I love this shit. And I truly believe that Cody Stamen, very athletic. If you look at his family, brothers, sisters, all compete, all wrestle, all do, you know, sports in high school, college, whatnot. Good athletic family. Uh, yeah, they're gamers. He's been a gamer his whole career. But when you get him in there, there's, there's that lack of killer instinct. There's more of just, he's more of a point fight style, right? And that wins, right? That can get a victory. But when you run into somebody who's got more of the appeal of like, this guy's got skills everywhere. Songy Donk can stuff takedowns. And on the feet, he's got great output. He's got good cardio. He's making improvements. He's getting better and better. He's got a bunch of teammates on this card. Like, yeah, it's written for you to get it. Now, the one thing I'll admit though, 160, 170, 185, that, that was the price, but it has ballooned out to 200. So like, I like them. Seems about right. I like them. But, 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 I, I don't, but you're, I don't, you're either going to want to get on it right now or, you know, you've missed the boat, but it's right around that time where it's like, don't, yeah. don't take him at 230, 240. Cody Stamen, no joke. Exactly. No joke. No walkover opponent knows how to win. Good ring IQ. That's all shit that'll fuck you up. That it will shit in your apple this pie. Is, Let me this, tell you. This is exactly. This, this, could is, be this is a parlay. Shit. This is a parlay. But at one sixty, right yeah, one sixty, you hop on that bitch for sure. Yeah. All right. We got uh, Rob Fawn taking on Ricky Simon. Rob Fawn minus one forty. Ricky Simon plus one twenty. Maybe I'm just like, you know. Overwhelmed by recency bias, but like Ricky Simon's pretty much dead to me at this point, Cody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go in there. Go in there. Big apple pie shit. Against ball. Uriah Faber. Retired Uriah Faber. Looked like he was completely done. You're supposed to go in there. You just, you've taken on Marab. Like you've, you've fought against top end guys and just to eat that overhand right, right off the bat. Um, so for a guy who I thought was just like, you know, this guy's going to be a really good point fighter. She's like, everything went out the window. I have zero faith in this guy anymore. Um, Rob Font, the, the issue I've always had with him in the past is he doesn't really seem like he's able to fight well off of his back foot, but like those guys in Boston right now are, you know, him, Qatar, uh, and a bunch of those other guys. Like, it's a pretty decent gym. Yeah, dude, all, for all sure. the way around. They're putting out some, you know, these, those guys are improving well. You can tell that they're putting in the extra time. Uh, pick is fun here. I realize I've been picking all of the favorites here, but these lines have been out for a while. They've really matured. I think the lines are pretty much right here. I, I like Font to get the, get the dub here. What about you? Yeah, no, I, uh, I gotta agree as well. I think that the line's pretty appropriate. Minus 140, Rob Font. Both guys are capable of winning. Ricky Simon, Ricky Simon's got all the skills in the world to win this fight. <coughs> it's like you mentioned. How does he beat Rob Font? Push him backwards. And Ricky Simon, at his best, is a fucking shitty new wild man. He'll go in there, push a pace. He's able to back you up. He's got great wrestling. His striking, eh, I'm not a huge fan of it. But he's willing to wing those shots to close that distance and put you into his area. When we talk about ring IQ, it's like that fight with versus Ronnie Yaya. Fought a great game plan that I'm going to take this guy down, but not fuck around with his guard. Stay on the outside. 
do what I got to do, get the victory. But this is one thing dating back right from Ricky Simon, right from the get-go, is that he uh, he cost me one time, it was a Titan FC fight, right? He takes on, I just want to, and my thing's all fucked up here. But anyways, yeah, he was taking on uh, Anderson Dos Santos, right? Who eventually made it to the UFC, wasn't all that good. The fight with Anderson Dos Santos, he's like a three-to-one favor or something like that. You can actually bet it's a Titan FC fight. I'm on a Ricky Simon. He got hit clean, flush, and he just flops down. He's big-time hurt. In being hurt, he ends up giving up his back. He gets caught with the rear naked joke. Young guy got caught. No big deal. Builds himself up, builds himself up. Builds himself. But when you look at the guys he was fighting, Paul, he wasn't really fighting anybody that hit him, anybody that hurt him, anybody that put him in any type of danger. When he fought Faber, it was way out of my mind. I don't, I'm not thinking this guy's got a chin issue. I think he's fine. The Faber thing was the sa- almost the same situation. He just got hit clean with one shot, and he folds on over. And then Faber pounces on him. He's able to force the stoppage. That's my problem here with Rob Font. That Rob Font does have power. Seven knockout re- victories on his record. With last fight, Sergio out Pettis, Almeida. He's, he's, yeah, he's knocked out good guys. And he's shown that he knows these guys want to push me back and take me down. He's worked on it a lot. His whole camp's on a roll right now. These guys are making improvements. And they're actually cross-training with a bunch of different guys on the East Coast. And, and again, I'm, I like what they're doing over there. But if he's just able to intercept Ricky Simon, even just for a moment, Clip him with one clean shot down the middle. He's going to hurt him. And the way Ricky Simon moves and the way he throws his punches, there's a lot of openings. And nothing's mm-hmm. clean. Rob Font's clean down the pipe striking. So I think at some point he's going to clip him. At some point he's going to hurt him. At some point he capitalizes. And, and again, Rob Font. Like that guy was able to take Lineker's punches. Yeah. You know, Durability hasn't really this been an issue cast for this iron guy. Too. Yeah, exactly. And Ricky Simon's also a bit of a decision guy. And where that's an issue is that Ricky Simon's a decision guy. And let's say Rob Font, capable of being a decision guy. Then you, we think this might go 15. If it goes 15, it's favoring Rob Font because he's got 15 minutes to intercept this guy and knock him out. And if, if Ricky Simon does get him down and he's able to take him down, I got to think Font's ground game, good enough to, to survive, but he's got to get up. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say pass again on this fight because I, I see path for Ricky Simon. But I, 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 when I visualize the fight, I think he's going to get tagged. When he gets tagged, Font's got enough firepower to hurt him. When we do ca- talk about the DK side of things, it's like, you know what I mean? Font at eighty five hundred. He's a slightly high mid range guy, but good upside. Cool. Uh, we got uh, Tim the Dirty Bird means taking on Tiago Alves. A Dirty Bird is minus two sixty five. Alves can be half plus two twenty five. Who you got here, Cody? Yeah, this is the crazy thing about MMA, right? So let's say we all wake up tomorrow. This is a prelim fight, right? Let's say we all wake up tomorrow and the UFC announces that Alistair Overeem versus Rosenstruck is off. So then Marina Rodriguez versus Cynthia Calvillo becomes the main event? There's no chance. It'd be Chago Alves versus Tim Means. And you I know mean. they're not going Struve and Rothwell 5. They're, yeah. You know they ain't going there's Struve been like seven, 5. There's been like six, seven, maybe. There's like six or seven uh, fizzled bouts on this thing. Like, it, this was supposed to be, you know, ESPN. This is a good fight. Man. It was supposed to be ESPN 7. Like, it was supposed to be pretty solid. Like, a lot of fights dropped off of it, so... You know, that's that's just the way things are in, you know, 2019 MMA. It's just like the roster is not as deep as it used to be. You have to call up a bunch of people. But, yeah, these are two tried, tested, and true veterans of the sport. <laughs> you know what? They probably would end up being the main event. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. And I think if you look at the casual standpoint of it and be like, oh, you know what? We're going to put Rothwell and Struve on the card because, you know, people know them. It's like, I don't know. To what extent, dude? That's the old demographic of fans know them. These guys, way past their prime. Not going to put on a good fight. Not likely going to put on a, a great fight. But you're putting it on, you know, it's got a decent billing on the main card. 
Whereas I get the whole feature prelim argument, which is not a real argument anymore as far as I'm concerned. But in terms of Means versus Alves, yeah, they're both past their prime too. But it's going to be a good fight, no doubt about it. It might not be a good fight for Thiago Alves. I don't know realistically what more he can offer. But if he's going to win a fight at this stage in his career, he's just got to catch a guy who makes one mistake. Tim Means is going to lose a Crush fight. Crush his liver. He's going to be kicking your ass and then at some point make some type of slipper mistake. Mm-hmm. i got some concerns with Tim Means. I mean, his last fight was really the first time he had been clean, KO'd, knocked out. On top of that, he completely wrecked his knee in being knocked out. Nico Price has got the death touch, man. Like, I don't know what it is. So I'm not going to... Tiago Alves, 2007. Tiago Alves, 2006. Yeah, he had the death touch too. While in his knees, those leg kicks, never really in his hands. But the dish is like, dude, times have changed altogether. Mm -hmm. Now he stands on the outside and he gets absolutely chewed up. He's got a really bad history of fighting tall, rangy guys. His fight with Max Griffin should have lost. I don't know if they give him that fight. But that's the only like one high point in his last number of fights. Millinder, tall, rangy guy. Keeps him on the outside, knocks him out with the knee. Uh, Griffin, I don't know how he won that fight. Tall, rangy guy, kept him on the outside, beat him up. Steripoli, not a tall, rangy guy. Just more output. Doubles him up, triples him up. Beats him. In his own backyard on a clean decision. Like, they couldn't even rob this guy. He just does not look the same. The fight with Jordan Mean, yeah, you're right. That was a lucky body kick. He was getting life-changing beating before turning that around, that body mm-hmm. kick. Against a tall, rangy guy from the outside. That's just not, he's not good with that. Means is way more technical with the striking. Will stay on the outside. Will bop him. Could Alves switch up the game plan and try to take him down? Could. Is a black belt. Oh, I don't know that that's part of the game plan. And and Means is no joke of a wrestler either. The problem is, is that I hate saying this Tim Means because he's just, you know, the man and he just goes in and he puts it on you. It's like, if he puts it on you and it doesn't go his way, he does he does kind of fold up. And Alves has shown, if anything, he can still take a hell of a beating. So I think Means wrecks him. I think 265 is not a great price. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he should score high on DK and he should win this fight. This is not in Brazil. He's not going to get a Sergio Mariah screw job decision. He's looked infinitely better in his last few performances comparatively. And even the Nico Price fight. He was looking good until he got caught. So yeah, I got to think that the Dirty Bird pulls this one off and gets one in the win column. We got your boy. You put me on to him for his contender series fight. Billy Quarantillo taking on Jacob Kilburn, who comes in uh, relatively short notice. Quarantillo is minus two, uh, minus 320. Uh, Kilburn plus 260. Uh, I forget the name of the opponent that he had on uh, on the contender series. Kamala Harris or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I know that's obviously not, but no. Um, yeah, I forget what it was, but... Kamula Kirk. Kamula Kirk. Yeah. How did we get him for? Well, it, was it was like plus two thirty, <laughs> man. Yeah, it's like yeah. these contender series yeah. fights. You just you just, just spam a bunch of underdogs. Like that was the key, at least to this season. Well, you 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 faded the Greek and you and you and you found you found these. There's just monster underdogs just cashing left, right, and center. Like it was. Yo, your guy. Your they're just low level, low level guys. Now they're expecting us to pay a minus three twenty price tag on him. So you're kind of the you were the guy who told me like, dude. They're like, as long as we can get through round one, Quarantillo is going to come back. And it literally played yeah, out yeah, perfectly. Yeah. So I want to hear your take on Jacob Kilburn, uh, Quarantillo, 
Well, let me know what we're doing here. Is this price too big? What's 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 the scoop? Yeah, well, I obviously didn't love the price tag, but it's because of the short notice aspect of it. Billy Quantier was obviously, or he was originally supposed to take on Chris Fishgold, which, you know, poses some good problems. And Fishgold, exciting matchup. Yep. And, you know, not the greatest fighter, but still going to be an intriguing fight. At least our boy Billy got the full camp here. And now with Jacob Kilburn coming in relatively short notice, he would be the underdog against Billy anyways. I think Billy's last performance really... This is the one thing that kind of he he showed his hand. Remember Tristan Connolly? We we're talking about the Tristan Connolly fight, and I was like, the one thing people don't know about Tristan Connolly is this fucking gas tank on the guy. Like, he mm-hmm. doesn't get tired, right? And because he's taking on a guy that he's just gonna physically break, it 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 plays towards his favor. But now people know about that gas tank. You cap this guy going forward. You know, imagine getting Tristan Connolly in his next fight at two sixty, two six. You'd be like, you know, like, yeah, exactly. We want him at that. But they know his gift now. That was the thing with Billy. Billy got an infinite gas tank. I mean, he just didn't get tired, right? And he was on the Ultimate Fighter. I was well aware of this guy. He actually fought a friend of mine, Adrian Velaka, beat Velaka. Uh, he, yeah, he's got a bright future. I mean, he's still young. He's improving. I know guys that have trained with him, and they come back. They train with a bunch of good guys. It's just like, oh, yo, you got any stories? You got any? And it's like they're talking about him. This guy's the real deal. This guy's supposed to go somewhere. So now he comes in against Kamala Kirk. It's just like, I don't know, man. Kirk's got a Sussman gas tank, and what's going to happen is Billy's a bit of a slow starter. Billy probably lose the first. I told you that. I was like, if we just survive the first round, yeah. we'll be okay. He got beat up in the first round. He lost the first round. The second round was a 10-8 round. He beat the shit out of him so bad. But mm-hmm. Billy don't get tired. And in the third round, it's going to be a 10-8 round until yeah. the doctor or the refs eventually like, I got to do something yeah, this about guy's this toast. shit. Man. Yeah, yeah, stops it, in, right? So Jacob Kilburn, Jacob Kilburn's contender series fight. He got tired, man. He got really tired. Found seven, eight minutes into the fight. So it's just, it's got the same thing written here. Billy, who has a good gas tank regardless, yeah. has a full camp, right? But Taking they're on making a guy, us pay minus 320 is the problem. They've capped it appropriately, right? I mean, they know, they know Billy's got the superior skill set. He's got the path to victory. He's not the short notice opponent. Yeah, I, I see all the reasons why Billy should win. Now, now, is this an opportunity to fade him? No, he's my guy. I like him. But yeah, we've taken a lot of favorites here at some points. Like, which one of these guys? When when I gotta do my Pokeball parlay at the end, like I might have to switch and at least take a couple dogs. I'm not gonna go full shot, shot of favorites here, but uh, yeah, some of those passes are gonna have to become dog plays. Uh, moving on down the card, probably the I think this is like sneaky fight of the night potential here between your boy Matt uh, Matt Sales taking on Bryce Mitchell, uh, Thug Nasty, Thug Nasty. Sales minus 120, Mitchell plus 100. I've been historically pretty wrong on Bryce Mitchell. Um, I think I have a better grasp of him now. Guy has very, very good cardio. And uh, he's just a, like, I mean, the guy almost chopped his damn nuts off. Like, the guy's a grinder. Yeah. He puts in, uh, he's got a hellacious gas tank, tons of heart. That is like, I think his heart is the real key to him. Matt Sales, I believe, is the more, more technical, more... Uh, skilled fighter in this spot completely. But uh, I've lost some money fading Bryce. Um, do you think Matt Sales is able to get to him early, or do you think Bryce Mitchell kind of pulls it off later in this fight? I think this fight is a great opportunity for live betting opportunities because Sales is going to come out pretty hot. And we've seen him mm. slow. To, uh, we've seen him slow down a lot before in the past before, though, as well. Um Mitchell, Mitchell is going to be consistent, kind of keep coming forward. So honestly, I'm going to leave, I'm going to lean on the gas tank in this spot, but I think it's a close fight. 
Uh, but Bryce Mitchell will be the pick for the purposes of the show. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you ahead of time that this will be my personal apple pie shitter because I'm going to go sales and I know I can see how he's going to fuck me on this. But yeah, like I, I just, when, when you, the more you look at it, the more tape you look at it, it's like, how is sales going to blow this other than he makes a lapse of judgment and the ground game becomes a factor? But the kids have got it all. And I've been a mass sales fan for a long time. He's got two things going against him, right? One, he does not fight the proper weight class, tiny for any weight class. And, and also, thing number two, it's a real slow starter. It just give you the first round. Comes in his UFC debut, that's part of the problem against Shaman Marias. Gives him the first round. Hell of a tough first matchup, though. Gives him the second round. In the third round, it's like, oh, time to start fighting. And he beats Shaman Marias up clean to lose a, a unanimous decision on the basis of you gave up the first two rounds. But I know the skill there. This guy's Dominic Cruz's boy. Everybody alliance. Loves Matt Sales. This guy's got a bright future. I'm not deterred by, yes, you're right, tough matchup, Shaman Ryan's. And he kicked his ass in the third round. That means something. Still young. You're going to be okay. I'm all in on this guy against Kyle Nelson. All in on this guy against Kyle Nelson. And despite the fact that he's a slow starter, he completely rearranges Kyle Nelson in the first round. In the second round, he appears to tire. The second round, he gets taken down. The second round, he gives up his back. In the second round, he damn near almost gets rear naked choked. And then the round ends. And then in the third round, 1-1. He didn't find a second gear. He just, Kyle Nelson was that much more tired. Than mm-hmm. and he, Bryce he, is not going to tire like no, that. No, Bryce is not going to tire like that. So yeah, Matt Sales is kind of a slow starter to begin with, right? So I can't, I can't bank on him winning any first round. He won against Nelson. I can't bank on him winning a first round. Whereas Bryce Mitchell could win the first round. Now the second round, Sales does what Sales does, baby. And he puts it on him. Sure, it doesn't matter. The third round, when the nitty gets tough, yeah, Bryce Mitchell's going to keep coming at him and Matt Sales could potentially have a bit of an issue. People are talking about the wrestling, right? I don't know that Bryce Mitchell's wrestling is good enough to take down Matt Sales. Matt Sales takedown defense, okay. Maybe keeps it standing. Kyle Nelson's bigger and stronger than Bryce Mitchell. He was able to plow him down, but maybe Bryce doesn't have that same success. As far as the stand-up goes, Bryce Mitchell's fucked here, man. Matt Sales is going to eat him alive. I agree. If you look at if you look at Bryce Mitchell on the Ultimate Fighter, man, he is young and he is green. Mm-hmm. And this guy trains small little gym. You know, yeah, yeah, he's one of those Jason Knights. Like he's a scrappy, he's a go-getter. He's fought way more times outside of the cage than he has inside. Spent of the a cage. lot of time with the Saralongo guys as well, though. Yeah, and he's improving his ground game, right? He fights Tyler Diamond and Bobby Moffat. Those are his two wins in the UFC. How those guys compared to a guy like Matt Sales? going to be different but again both close fights it's that tyler diamond fight he wins tyler diamond they give him the microphone and all i can make oh he's like yeehaw arkansas arkansas yeehaw i was like scrappy fun exciting jovial kid go-getter uh his undefeated record it does it 10 and 0 because you don't see that fact that Brad Katona choked him out on the Ultimate Fighter. Matt Sales, better than Brad Katona, stuffs the takedowns, beats him up standing. I gotta have faith that he shored up the cardio enough to win two and win this thing 29-28. But give me a Lions kid from California versus Arkansas, McArkansas. Sorry, that's no shout out to Mr. Arkansas. I actually love the videos. Uh, no disrespect to him because I'm sure after that Arkansas bit, he'd be pissed off. All jokes aside... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I got to once again go mass sales. However, I'm going to play mass sales. I'm going to bet mass sales. Sales is going to juice up some parlays. And sales will probably be the guy at the end of the night that I'm like, fucking motherfucker, why would I do that? So don't necessarily tail me on that. 
But if you're thinking about doing it, yeah, yeah, that's the side I'm on. I'm rolling it. We got uh, Joe Selecki taking on Matt Wyman. Selecki minus 320. Wyman plus 260. Wyman came back after, what, like four years off in his last time out. And you know what he looked like? A guy who took ten like, years off. Yeah, a guy who looked <laughs> like he had 10 years off. Yeah. Selecki, on the other hand, on the contender series, like, and maybe this is like a low bar that I'm kind of setting for it, but he looked like a guy who deserves to fight in the UFC, which like with the contender series guys that they've been rolling in and stuff, there's a lot of them that you're like, sure, they won their contender series fight, but they didn't really seem to have it all together. Like this guy looks super, super well-rounded. I totally understand the uh, line here, but it's really tough with a guy with that little experience to get on board at minus 320. The price, I'm, I'm basically just getting priced out. The pick is Selecki here, I do believe. Matt Wyman is dust. Yeah, Matt Wyman, it, it makes almost no sense how a guy disappears off the face of the earth in 2014 after a win over Isaac Valley Flag, mm-hmm. who's now getting jobbed out in bare knuckle boxing matches. Uh, this guy fell off completely, you know, in the prime of his career, 31 years old. And to resurface at 36, strange on its own, to resurface five years later at 36 in the UFC, also strange. To resurface five years later in the UFC against Luis Pena? Like, man, whose wife did you fuck? Eh? Who did you piss off? Why would they bring you? And the guy's name's Handsome Matt Wyman. So you can't discredit that greasy theory altogether. Mm-hmm. Like, well, why would they give you Luis Pena? Like, why, why don't you fight Joe Lozon or something? I mean, like, they probably <laughs> forgot that they even had him on, like, on that, the well, roster. See, that, that's why I don't understand. Typically, if you don't fight with... If you're a big-name guy, which, no offense to Matt Wyman, he just never was. I always liked him. Very exciting. But his... Best claim, no, I, that's so disrespectful. Anyways, his real claim to fame is when Spencer Fisher fucking blasting with that flying knee in the face. Bam. Anyways, I like Matt Wyman. I think Brass likes Matt Wyman. Fans to a certain extent, they like Matt Wyman. He fought that era's big names, Dennis Seaver, TJ Grant, those guys, you know what I mean? It's a it's an era thing, but typically if you're not that big name and they're not like ah, it's Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz are not going to let him go out of his contract because he hasn't fought in five years. Because like if he wants to come back, we're going to make that money. Man, why was not like that? So typically they'll let you go after three four years because it's like you can still use their medical policy. Like you can still use UFC's medical insurance and all that stuff because you're under contract, even if you haven't fought. So a lot of guys won't fight and they'll just try to stay under contract as long as they can. I know guys stay under contract three four years. As long as they can, use use it up. And then eventually the UFC cuts you. Why they never cut Matt Wyman, I don't understand. So now, now that would suggest they like Matt Wyman. So to bring him back against a guy that's 10 years younger than him, right? That's a developing prospect, considered a hot-ish prospect, out of a gym like AKA, as your official return bout after five years, like, makes no sense to fight violent Bob Ross. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Now your follow-up act to that. Oh, yeah, by the way, Matt Wyman at his best takes you down, holds you down, gets on top, slick grappler, decent ground and pound, holds you down, does his work. That's him at his best. Not a great striker. But that, that was his skill set. That was his major skill set. Violent Bob Ross is like six foot four, not v- very long and lanky for the weight class. Wrestling, developing, but not his primary skill set. He took down and, bl- and just smoked Matt Wyman. So Wyman's wrestling was good for the time period. And by the way, his wrestling was good against Paul Sass, Mac Danzig, Cole Miller, 
I mean, Paul Sass literally let you take him down. The Sass angle. So yeah. he could try yeah. to get the Sass angle. That's That was his entire game. He was game. a one-trick pony. Mac Danzig, black belt, but could not wrestle whatsoever. Cole Miller, also a black belt. But we all know Cole Miller can't wrestle whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then his other wins like Tiago Tavares, Justin Buckles, Michihiro Omagawa, Brian Gegarty. Like, none of these guys are holding on a job anymore. It was just a different time. He was a good wrestler comparatively to those guys, mm-hmm. but not Everyone's comparatively to what's so much. Right. It's, it's so much. Right. The game's just moved on. Of course, okay. And you know who is a good wrestler? Joe Selecki. He, mm-hmm. he actually is a good wrestler. And he showed that in his contender series fight. He's got the chops to get these guys down. When he gets them down, he's got a good opportunity submission game. He's not going to submit Matt Wyman, I don't no. think. And he doesn't have the ground and pound that, that Bob Ross has to finish him with TKO. But I think he just grinds through the motions. You know, again, he's a much kind younger... Kind of like his contender series fight. Yeah, yeah. And he's I, I don't dominated know, I, pretty much the entirety of the fight. I couldn't tell you why they're doing this to Matt Wyman. Because Matt, to Matt Wyman... He's probably to, got a couple couple of fights left on his deal. They're probably contra- contractually obligated. Well, maybe not. Uh, they like him for some reason. Clearly they don't. Maybe just... Here's, I mean, they're giving them fights, though. They could just release them. They don't Yeah, owe that's them fair. And they're saying, hey, despite you being a longtime servant of our organization, a longtime veteran of the sport of mixed martial arts, we're giving you a guy making his UFC debut. Theoretically, they're doing this guy a favor. But it's just like anything. It's like that Selecki kid might have a bright future. You know, he's developing. He comes from a good camp. He's got some good skill set. He's young. He's good looking. Maybe this kid can have a run here. Whereas Matt Wyman, it's like 31, 32, 33, 34, 35. Th- those are all the years you sat on the sideline, and now you're going to make it like a late run back. You know, you know who they said was going to. Yeah, these types this of things is the don't work. They don't work at lighter weight classes. The, cra- the craziest thing, right? I'm walking down the street. This is how weird I am. Walking down the street literally like three, four days ago. Bam, right in my mind, out of nowhere. What the fuck happened to Nate Marquardt? I wonder what that guy's up to. Man, it's so sad. Someday He's I'll blaming talk. Blaming God on Twitter <laughs> recently. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, you know how whack it's going to be someday. I'm going to talk to people and be like, yo, I remember Nate Marquardt. And they'll be like, no. You know, like, like it's generations changing, man. Like he wasn't a big enough figure to stick in the history books, but he was the man, dude. I liked him. And then I was like, oh, dude, he's actually the poster boy for – you get hit so many times that Jesus is literally in the ring with you. CTE you ever seen the movie Bad to the Bone with Antonio Banderas, Woody Harrelson, where it's like they're like mid-card boxers, they're buddies, they got to fight each other because they need the money and they got to travel to Vegas together to fight, blah, blah, blah. Woody Harrelson, been hit so many times, got so much CTE that he sees Jesus in the ring with her. Mm-hmm. Oliver McCall one time cried in the middle of the ring, Paulo Filo against Chael Sonnen, two motherfuckers talking to an invisible person in the ring. That is Nate Marquardt. And literally, as I'm thinking all this shit to myself and shake it off and then go home, three days later, he's like, Jesus, talk to me. I'm coming back. I was like, oh, my God, man. Like, what the hell is going on here? I hope Matt Wyman. I hope Matt Wyman is not that. I hope he didn't just wake up one day and was like, I miss this shit. I want to do it again. I mean, this is going to happen to a lot of our favorite fighters from that. Like, we're just getting into that territory now. There's going to be some sad stories in the next from the guy. You know, I've been watching this since I guess I was in university when I first started watching like private private videos and stuff. So that was even before that. Well, then you're before me. Yeah. All right. Yeah, no. Uh, so uh, yeah, so I've been watching for about just under fifteen years now, yeah. and so a lot of these guys, the Diego Sanchez's guys that I have enjoyed for all these years, like I think we actually when we worked at Fight Network together, it was uh, Frank Shamrock, 
or no, it was uh, Ken Shamrock that showed up at the office and he was kind of talking about like all of the things that we're, there's going to be a lot of guys that get in trouble with the law and a lot of CTE related issues are going to kind of start happening. And I think we're starting to see the beginning of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what Like all you. these guys that you have really, when you first got into the sport, they're they're make they're getting to that age now where where their their mind's gonna start leaving. Yeah, them. here's one for you. So we're gonna find our one of my first tasks. Got to cut through these reels. So we got reels for individual fighters, and they're like save some space, go through the reels, cut what's good, cut what's bad. Whatever. I got a Carlo Prater reel. I love Carlo Prater, WEC vet, MFC vet, brief little UFC run. I got a Carlo Prater reel. They're asking me to delete shit that they think what what's not important. I like Prater, but then this might not be important. So I ask, I won't name his name, but I ask, I says, Should, you want me to get rid of this Carlo Prater reel? He says, no. Do you think Carlo Prater in 10 years might wake up and fucking kill a bunch of people and, you know, be, be some huge story and we might need that footage? And I was like, shit, the goddamn, he's an MMA fighter, of course. You guys got 50 fights. This is in the <laughs> yeah, range like, of yeah, outcomes, like, yes. Hermes Franca was my guy. I had to disown him, you know, that's a fucked up shit. Mm-hmm. But, like, you don't know what's going on. Mike Whitehead, like, man, what's going on? His, you know, I'm not going to say justifiable. There's like two sides of it. Really fucked up all the same. But Don Fry, his IFL coach, looked me in the eyes and said, Mike Whitehead, dead to me. Don Fry saying you're dead to him. You're also dead to me. So even though you're my tough two boy, dead to me. Anyways, all that aside, yeah, you you don't oh, know Josh these Neer, guys. Didn't he do something really messed up? No, 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 no. He beat up that. Oh, fan. he beat up a fan. That is that is not met. Josh Near, <laughs> still my boy, always gonna be my boy. The dentist, the real dentist. Take that, Darren Stewart. Ooh, oh yeah, shots fired. No, I mean Josh Near is so crazy. He'd fight him and get fucked up, but mm-hmm. he he got a win over Anthony Smith like you know, four or five years ago. Fought him like three weight classes up. Josh Near is a gangster, but yeah, <clears throat> he just beat up a heckler. I don't think there's any problem with that. Listen, we all know Twitter, greatest, but it's a platform where you can talk shit to a pro. That's not ballsy. Showing up to fight said pro, ballsy. But if you're going to talk shit to him and show up and he bucks you up, like that, isn't that game? Isn't that part of it? Why would you talk shit to Josh Near? Ridiculous. Unless you're Ridiculous. looking. Ridiculous. I would, yeah. You talk all that shit. You do not show up. <laughs> you yeah, don't you show do not up. show up yeah, to yeah. confront a professional fighter. These are like just people with like absolute grandiose delusions, though. Oh, like yeah, yeah. Anybody yeah. who, one, I think it's kind of, uh, I don't know. I've always had Twitter uh, and it's been my real name on it, my real identity. People know who I am and that type of thing. So. I've never really understood the whole full out troll side of things because, yeah, like, bitch. Well, because my name's attached <laughs> yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I am, when I'm posting things, I'm posting as myself. Like, it's kind of embarrassing. If I was to go after, like, fighters all the time and just, you know, talk shit and stuff like that. But, like, all right, there's talking shit. And then there's just being really, really <laughs> dumb and showing up to get your ass kicked. Like, yeah, like that. I that don't know how. But I remember seeing the video. I can't recall like how big this guy oh, was. Huge, huge. It was okay. huge. And, that, it doesn't and matter. that was part of it, right? I remember one sure. time I'm watching. It's a crucifix position, right? But he's in crucifix and he's eating some elbows. This guy at the bar looks at me. says, how much is that guy on top with? <laughs> I says, uh. It's welterweight, so one, they weighed in at 170 yesterday. But he's probably he, like 185. Yeah, but, he, so. but I tell the guy, he could weigh as much as 190. Sure. So he says, the, why doesn't the other guy just pick him up like a bench press, toss him off? Guy's like, I'm that guy's size. I, I, I bench press 240. 
I just I just fucking pick them up yeah. and chuck them off. Super easy, eh? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, imagine, just, imagine you believe like that. Imagine you believe that. You went to a motherfucking gym. <laughs> you told Josh Near who's like, no. put me in a crucifix. Who's not above beating the shit out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's going to happen when you're trying to bench wrestle, man? He's shattering your face with elbows. Yeah, he's just going to keep shattering your face with elbows. You're going to a dentist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why they call him the dentist, you know? Like, this guy's legendary. Mm, if you're, like, a done. fan of, like, the OGs who, like, did the dirty work in the game to just for entertainment. It's like, this guy's as gangster as it gets. Like, don't fuck with him and show up at his gym in Iowa. Like, what are you thinking, man? What are you thinking? He's got nothing better to do than kick your fucking ass and probably base some hail afterwards. Yep, there's I literally nothing else to do in, no. in Iowa but fight. I watched a training thing with him one time. He's in a shit. Pounding the fuck out of a bag. And whereas most guys, I'd be like, oh man, like why would you bet this guy? It's like, He's ready, you know? He's fought so much, he doesn't need a traditional training camp. Oh, yeah. I could talk about Nier all day long, but we got a few more fights. We so have we'll a couple more fights. Let's get into them. We have Virna Jandaroba taking on Mallory Martin, who comes in on a short notice. Jandaroba, minus 265 favorite. Mallory Martin is plus 225, who you got here. Yeah, I want to get behind Mallory Martin just because she is a sizable dog here. I see the narrative behind her. I think she could potentially get a victory, but... If you're just going to look for tape for what tape is, Verna Jananobra is a better grappler, right? Mm -hmm. She's a slightly better striker. So if both of their grappling, for whatever reason, negates each other, I think she wins. And if this turns out to a grappling match, she's she's the better grappler, slightly better wrestler. Now, I think this thing on Mallory Martin, somebody who's saying that she's Darren Wynn's girlfriend, and she spends a lot of time with George Hickman up in Tiger Muay Thai. Hickman okay. was a good wrestler himself. They got her well prepared, but A, she's coming in a short notice. B, I wasn't overly impressed with what I saw from her contender series fight. And C, she's taking on somebody who didn't, it's not taking a fight on short notice after winning a make-believe contract on a remotely successful TV show. It's like she was the Invicta champ, you know? She beat Mizuki Inoue, you know? She legitimately defended the title against a Russian Sambo champion who has looked awful, but, you know, submitted her all the same. Like, this girl is making strides. She's looking okay. To debut on short notice against Carla Sparza, that's a tough task. But she's got that experience under her belt. And hopefully she's, you know, made enough improvements. I, I think, truthfully, just from watching it, she's better overall. But is she nearly 3-1 to one better overall? That I don't think so. So I want to say dog or pass. But I can feel myself chasing the dog. So the smart play is going to be the pass. Janna Nobra on a better price. I'd play her. I think she's going to win. But 265, I'm looking at apple pie shitters here. If you're looking, we'd like a lot of favorites. Yeah. So let's now determine who's going to shit in the pie. I mean, you know two or three of them are going to lose. I mean, the opening the fight of the night, I this think, has like big apple pie. Like people hate Trevor Smith, but like the guy's pretty well-rounded. You got to be able to shut his lights out. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, like he's got pretty good wrestling. He's not good at anything. He's not great. Sorry, he's... Obviously, he's a professional fighter. He's good at yeah. other he's, things. He's but, I mean, it's good, all relative. Good, good, good cardio. I just, from what I saw from Mahmoud Muradov, and I, I bet him in, in play live after round one against Alessio DiCherico. He ended up pulling it off, and he won decision. I didn't see very much stinging, like, stinging shots coming back from him. I don't know. I wasn't exactly impressed all around with the guy. And now you're telling me he's a minus 420 favorite and a much more experienced guy who's been in there with some really, really top flight guys in Trevor, Trevor Smith. Now he loses to those top end guys, but I don't think Muradov doesn't have the, to, to what I know about him, 
His grappling isn't like anything special. He's more of a striker. I don't see very much power on those strikes. Like I think I'm probably going to end up regretting it, but I'll probably end up taking a shot on 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 Trevor Smith here at this price. I just think the price is just stupid. What about you? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, Machman Moradov, I tape studied him big before his debut. I backed him against Dietrich, but if you, even you listen back to that show, it's like he's not that good, man. He's Mayweather's bodyguard. And I said it then, I'll say it again. Look at Mayweather's bodyguard. Mostly big, juiced up, weightlifting white guys. Not really all that intimidating unless you're a middle-aged suburban house mom. But this guy, he's intimidating, man. He's six foot three. Fucking like from Uzbekistan. I watched a very interesting video, Paul. It was showing, you know, different ways to approach getting robbed. The guy comes up. He says, this is scenario number one. Guy comes up, he says, give me your money. Regular guy, just like me or you. And he's just like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, here's my money. The guy gets robbed. Video number two, same scenario. Guy's like, give me your money. Guy puts on a Russian accent. And he's like, duh, you want my money? And all of a sudden, the robber's like, ooh, I don't know if I want to fucking go through with this anymore. Something's fucking off. I'm going to get out of here. That's having Machman Muradov with you. You're going to try to rob Mayweather with this guy there? I don't know, man. I'd be rethinking that situation altogether. He probably... Looks like he may have killed him. Part of his having that job probably has to do with uh, maybe his proclivity to use weapons. Yeah. Also, I would think that he's the only guy in the entourage that actually knows how to fight. I mean, they can form Voltron, whatever the hell he did against McGregor. But like outside of that, like this dude's actually got 35 pro MMA fight. Sure. Well-rounded. Can strike. Can submit. Takedown defense is actually pretty okay. He looks really bad in his losses. Mind you, he's fought some okay guys. His mm-hmm. wins, remember we were talking about Song Yudong? You could leave a guy in one jurisdiction and allow him just to fight tailor-made opponents that you bring in. And we see this all the time with these, you know, Sergei Pavlovich and all these, you know, Ivan Shichikov Sh- uh, and all those guys, right? How good are they, right? Like the opponents are tailor-made to them. He's had that. He's had a lot of guys that's like, you're going to beat this opponent. Now, Dietrich, no joke, mid-pack guy. Very, very medium, but still, you know what? He's durable. He's going to give you at least some type of a task. Beating him, it's something. His gas tank didn't look good. Win the first two, not overly impressed. Mm-hmm. Third round. I was sweating. Third I round, was sweating when we went to decision. I, I hear you. I hear you. And I had him. But I right from the get-go, I didn't love this guy. Now in the third round, you're sweating it. Are we going to get a decision? We get a decision? Okay, pumped up. We're good. Now he's taking on Trevor Smith. Well, he's the one coming in a short notice. Trevor Smith originally had... To, just to make sure I get this 100% here. Trevor Smith's taking on Alonzo Menafield. Alonzo <laughs> Menafield is Trevor Smith's nightmare. We are aware <laughs> of what you were trying to do in this spot. Yeah. Like Menafield was, that's a guy with murderous power punching. Murderous power. Who's and it's a bad matchup early. for Trevor Smith because he'd probably bomb on him early and get him out of there he'd for bom- sure. He'd bomb on him early. If he, was ni- if he was in this spot and he was 9,400 minus 420 favorite, I'd be like, okay, what's his round one prop? And I would be like, let's play him on DraftKings. But the, and, and that's that's where Moranov could have a problem here, is that he's not the murderous power punching Alonzo Menafield is, and he's coming in on short notice. He's yeah. already shown to not have a great gas tank. So Trevor Smith just doesn't get knocked out early. Yeah, Trevor Smith keeps going. I think he's just live at this, at this price. I just think he's live. Yeah, yeah. So I, there's, there's no world that exists that I'm betting Trevor Smith. But... This is a live betting opportunity for sure. The price is totally off. I'd, I'd pass more off. 420 literally gets anybody. Uh, I love the price. It's 420. Ha, ha, ha. But yeah, just not a good price tag in this spot. Now, now, this is one of the things I've always found 
unbelievably interesting about Trevor Smith. Unbelievably interesting. These are these are his losses, right? First career loss, knockout, Devin Cole, 31 seconds, right? Jean Vellante, one minute and five seconds. Ed Herman, you went the decision. Uh, Talis Latis, 45 seconds. Kyle Magalesh, 31 seconds. If we can get through a minute, baby. <laughs> Andrew Sanchez, Theodoro, and Zach Cummings, all decision. Like, so mind-blowing that this guy either gets knocked out. He's been knocked out in a minute or less. A minute or five seconds or yeah. less. Five fucking times. All the other losses outside of two guillotine choke losses way back in the day. Decision. Is he chinny or not? <laughs> like, you either punch him out with the first few punches or you allow him to hang around. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Honestly, outside of the fact that he's a BJJ black belt, his wrestling's not great. His cardio is okay. His striking's not great. He lost to Zach Cummings and Elias Theodore, whose last two fights. Wins over Chris Camozzi, cut. Joe Gigliotti, never won a fight in the UFC, cut. Totally fanned out and retired, yep. I think. Dan Miller, it was just supposed to be a feel-good story bringing back Dan Miller for that fight because he was already long gone by that point. It's like, those are his, those are his wins, right? So I, I am not, I'm not falsely trying to talk myself into a Trevor Smith bet. But just know, just know, if it turns out, for whatever reason, that Mahmoud Muradov is the apple pie shit of this week, I'm not going to be affected by it because I'm half-sniffing that shit out to begin with. There we go. All right, well, he's the most expensive guy on DraftKings, so let's get into that a quick little breakdown here. I mean, it, I think we kind of just summed it up. I think it's very, very hard to pay up for a $9,400 Mahmoud Muradov. Well, let's, let's look at But the I top. mean, but he's taking on an opponent. Maybe he does clip him, and if he does clip him, yeah, um, it's yeah, probably yeah. going to be in the first minute or so. Uh, he'll clip yeah. him early and, and get a first-round finish. Like, obviously, Tra- that's Smith's still also, in play. Trevor Smith's also 38 years old and hasn't fought in a year, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, he was going down to fight Alonzo Menafield for a very specific reason, Paul. Yeah. Lonzo Menenfield needed the win and was going to largely benefit from getting a highlight real first-round KO. Muradov should have that same benefit, but I just I trust him less. Looking at those high-end guys, listen, yeah, that main event, 100%. Alistair Overeem's $8,300, so it, it, he would be a well-priced, good pick. Yeah. Flip side to that, if you're going with Rosenstruck, it's the same thing. It's like he would be a, a good pick. He's $7,900, and he could get you a first-round knockout. I can see a path to this fight, like, not being on an optimal. Like, if these guys just get out of round one, if the fight doesn't get finished in round one, um, and price, it's just though. low, 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 low volume, and there's a second-round finish... Maybe they end up with, say, 75, 80 points because just low volume. And then, you know, Gyrozinho clips them eventually. Uh, at that price, like at 7,900, yeah, the thing is that they're right in the middle range. Like it's not a horrible play, but I can I can definitely see past that like neither one of them really pays off. Of course, and of still course. gets a finish in like the oh, second or oh, third oh, round yeah. because there's just, there is potential for just such low, low volume in between all of that. Yeah. If you're playing multiple lineups, maybe you fade them because everybody's going to be on this matchup. So maybe if, yeah, you're, if you're playing guy, 150 right. lineups, you're going to have some with maybe this Maybe fight. Overeem stays to the outside the first two rounds, throws nothing, attempts no takedowns, but runs away, runs yeah. away, scores nothing. Rosenstruck also scores nothing. Third round, Overeem takes him down and submits him. It wouldn't score you all that much. No. It wouldn't score you the 83, which is still a good price tag. The Rosenstruck 79 would be a total fucking bust because he might have landed 10 strikes. Mm-hmm. We all have an assumption if he lands a strike, he's going to knock out over him, but it's going to take a good strike. You know, yeah, At least you're going to have to chase this guy down. So, yeah, listen, I- I'm thinking you play over him here at $8,300. Same here. 
but but I, I hear what you're saying. Marina Rodriguez versus Cynthia Calvillo. I think you take a pass on that. Rodriguez could keep her on the end of the, the strikes, but without the takedowns, without the ground transitions, without the knockdowns, without hundred significant strikes plus, it's not going to be worth it for the you. more interesting person in, from the DraftKings perspective is Calvillo there because if she's winning, maybe it's wrestling. But we have been kind of question. Uh, we have kind of questioned her uh, her own cardio before in the past. So yeah, yeah, that is maybe she gets early takedowns, but if she starts gassing out in round three, I mean, at least uh, I'm always looking for a lot of underdogs and stuff that that are at least you would think with a rational game plan, rational mindset. And we know that a lot of times when we get fighters inside of a cage, rationality goes right out the window. But rationally. Cynthia Calvillo should be trying to look for takedowns. So 7,800, I think she's in play. I don't think I'm going to go there, though. One, one thing that I'll, I'll throw on top of all that is that someone like Cynthia Calvillo is smart enough to know, not ring IQ smart, but smart enough to know if she wins the first round, if she wins the second round, she knows it was a tough weight cut. She knows she's up two rounds. Foot comes off the gas. This is not someone that searches for the finish. You're playing a big GPP. You want the win. You want someone who's going for points every step of the way. Five seconds left on the clock, shoot a takedown. Dana don't like it. I do, you know. Get me my five points. Get me my point. Grind this. Have a dominating performance. Rodriguez is a game opponent. She sticks with it. The interesting play would probably, like you said, the $7,800 on Cavio. But I think personally, my standpoint, I would take a pass on that. Rothwell yeah. versus Stephen Struve. Struve, I don't see anything there. He's not knocking out Rothwell. He's not submitting Rothwell. He's not taking down Rothwell. So what's he going to do? Score 40 or 50 yeah, significant so strikes? Ben Rothwell, first round finish or yeah, plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a tournament play. Yeah, and Rothwell just like is so slow these days. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, he used to be mobile for heavyweight. That was kind of his thing. And like nowadays he's very plodding and he's not pulling the trigger. So again, you might want to think about a pass, but if you're going to play any side of it, it's going to have to be Rothwell. And for $8,600, theoretically, it could pay off pretty yep. good for you. Aspen Land versus Kunis K. Aspen Land has proven to be an excellent scorer when she has things her way. She gets on top of you, sounds like a tennis match, baby. And she will just go <laughs> relentless with the ground and pound. That's her way to score some points. Having uh, a drawn-out striking battle, grinding up against the cage, doing that kind of game, not going to score up to the 8,700. Could she nope. take Kunitskaya down and absolutely thro- throttle her? Could. I got a lot of reserves myself. I think it's possible. I think that, like you mentioned, fit 155. At the end of the night, we might end up saying, geez, what a good price on Aspen Live 55. You won't get that again, or at least not right away. That could be a reflection of the 8,700. She could easily score 87 points, but she's got to have things her way. Mm-hmm. And I'm just... I'm slightly hesitant. Part, part of me is just like not overly ready. Yeah, DraftKings, I am full, pretty full hesitant as well. Song Yudong at 8,900 against other opponents. Yeah, I'm in on that. The problem is that Steven's got a good chin and he's defensively sound and knows how to just slow down rounds. So Song Yudong at 89 just knocked out Perez. He's got an ability to knock out guys. He's got an ability to score big. Decent. Damon's going to slow down the action. He, I want probably. other people to play Song Yudong for 8,900. I'm going to look to fade that. The, the the Vegas odds on it, like the inside the distance prop on that fight, is actually pretty pretty reasonable. It's close to a pick em, I believe. Um, Yudong has been ba- able to absolutely flatline a bunch of people. So he's obviously in play, but it sounds like you w- would like, yeah, you said you'd want other people to play him. Uh, yeah, I would like other people to take the play. Now, I agree with now, you on the take. And of we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about a lot of, we got a lot of favorites and where we're going to save the money. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking at Stamen necessarily for a GPP play, but for the $7,300 on draftings, fuck, man, get me some takedowns. I know it's going to be hard, but here's the thing with Song Yudong. If he does get taken down, he's going to get back up. Mm-hmm. That working with Alpha Male will allow him to just get to the cage, work his way back up. But at least Stamen can score some points. Stamen can strike. Stamen can get some transitions. He's not that bad of a grappler. 
ah, you could do worse, $7,300 just to save a bit of money on a cash game side of things. I could be talked into it. Moving on, Rob Font versus Ricky Simon. I, you know, I can't fault you for taking the other side. I'm going to go Rob Font. You're going to go Rob Font. Sounds like we're on Rob Font. Yep. $8,500. I think he knocks out Rick, Ricky Simon. I think he catches him. I think he hurts him. I think he capitalizes. I truly believe Rob Font has a good take here. But I'd be lying if I didn't say Ricky Simon's at least one of the dogs I'm acknowledging has a chance. Of course. He's, mine, he's plus, yeah. plus 120 underdog. But I don't like backing guys that have chin problems against people who chin check, right? And yep. Rob Fawn has shown me enough that this is a warrior. He sticks in the fight, and he's got good firepower. Ricky Simon, twice now I've been burned by that chin. I'm not readily willing to jump into it, even mm-hmm. though he's a decent price tag. Tim Means versus Chow Alves. I got Means all day. $9,000 on DraftKings. Sign me up. 265 I'd like a better price, but you know, so is life. Billy Quantillo, same thing. I mean, ninety two hundred dollars. He got a great gas tank. Here's the cool part here, right? Everybody wants Overeemer Rosenstruck. You know, people are going to be going after Latch. He's popular. People are going after Song and Dong. He's coming off big win. People are going off for Rob Font. They know that stuff. Tim Means, I can see it too. But Means and Billy, I got a feeling they could be on the lower end of ownership, and they got high upside here too. Sure. Now they're guys likely to really make a. I love. We love wrestlers. We love grapplers. We love guys that have those ground transitions. Neither guy's likely to get their points based on that, but I, I but see. they just push up. They're gonna try to push a pace against yeah, an opponent yeah. that they hope is gonna slow down. And then, man, like I, I, they obviously don't do DraftKings scoring for the contender series, but you know who would have scored a t- Boku to points? Oh yeah, Quarantillo against uh, Kamala Harris. There, you know, it's the only thing better than a first round knockout is a third round sustained beating. But mm-hmm. there's a third round finish with yeah. like I don't know ten seconds. It's left. like the just Volkanovski like, effect. Just draw it, <laughs> draw it out as long as you can. Yep. And then just right at the last moment, it's like yeah, those the are the out. those are the guys that put up like 150 points is is when that plays out that way. Yeah, Tim means uh, it seems like if he's going to finish Alves, he's probably going to have to do it in the first you know under one and a half rounds. If it goes over one and a half rounds, it'll be Alves with his nose over to the left, one eye swelling shut. That's sitting there and mm-hmm. taking the shots. Maybe that one goes to decision, but Tim means will put it on him. Billy's fight at some point, Billy probably just breaks him down and puts him away. That's barring that he's not sick or hurt or injured or anything like that. The fact that he's got the full camp. I love that. I think Billy puts it away. The, the 9,200, much better reflection than the 30, the minus 320. 320, it's like, fuck, man, we just got this guy for two and a half to one as an yeah. underdog, and now we're going to play three and a half? No way. But the 9,200, it's like styles make fights. He's got the style to score you a lot of points. That's mm-hmm. part of the fight. You want that. Selecki versus Matt Wyman. I think he goes Selecki, but... You skipped over sales. Oh, I, oh fuck, I did too. Oh. <clears throat> Sorry, man. Woof. I'm coward. Yeah, yeah, no, I am a coward because uh, <laughs> sales sales is not going to have the takedowns on um, on Bryce Mitchell. He's not going to have any ground transition. All of those points, if they're going to be scored, you know what? I'm taking sales. I got money line sales. I got sales. I'll tell you because I'm an honest person. The the play would be Bryce Mitchell as far as DraftKings goes. It's two hundred dollars cheaper. He's eight thousand. He's likely going to stay in the fight for the fifteen minutes. And again, even if he's taking sales down and sales pops back up, and this kid's tenacious and he stays on him and he takes his back. And sales shakes him off, and they're back standing, and he rushes forward. He's going to score points. And, I mean, for the 8,000, he's a lower mid-range play guy who's got upside. I've got to acknowledge what what dogs – we've got all favorites. Which dogs likely have the best shots at, at cashing? I, I see Ricky Simon as a possible one. I see uh, Cody Stamen. I just I, – I really don't want to go down that road. I'm going to – Well, we got uh, – And yeah, I'm going to go with Bryce Mitchell, even though it's plus 100. And ah, fuck, I'd hate to say – Those other fights there. You know the, what? This is a dice card. Like those are but, the most expensive like, – the, the next three ones. So we have Selecki, Vandaroba, and Muradov. All very expensive, all over 9,000. That's pretty dicey. I guess Selecki – Vandaroba, I like, of the best of the three. The reason being – Selecki seems the safest – 
Jandaroba maybe has the highest higher ceiling just with like the f- early finish. Like I don't think Selecki's gonna submit Matt Wyman. Yeah. As we kind of yeah. alluded to earlier. Well, from highest to lowest though, Muradov, ninety four hundred dollars. He either knocks him out in a minute or it's gonna be dragged out three rounds and won't score him a whole lot. So mm-hmm. let's pass on that one. The second most expensive is Joe Selecki. Joe Selecki gets you the takedown, you're happy. Matt Wyman's a black belt, and he's savvy enough on the ground that he's not going to get submitted. So what are you going to have is you're going to have Selecki on top holding him down, out grappling him, holding him down. If Selecki had awesome ground and pound, he'd score you, but he doesn't have awesome ground and pound. He's a positionally sound grappler with good top game. So he's not going to score you a whole lot. Now you have your third option. She's your cheapest option is Vernan Jandanobra. She's got decent grappling. She's got a decent submission game. She could potentially take Mallory Martin into the second or third round and submit her. She's got the higher upside. She's the cheaper price of those. I'd like that. But you still like Means and Quarantillo better than than Verna. Means is exp- oh yeah 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 okay yeah yeah for sure. So uh, we we for kind sure. of flushed out the nine thousand dollar range. That's what we're looking to do here. Yeah. Well, I want to give you a ninety two hundred dollar player, a ninety three hundred or se- sorry seventy two hundred dollar player, a seventy three hundred dollar player. Where it's like this is our dog. Now we can put in yeah, some of our expensive play. But fuck, man, this is a, a card that they priced bang on. You know what? I'll, t- I'll tell you. This is, might as well give you a greasy theory, Paul. Greasy theory. This is to the UFC's advantage, right? They roll a card out every week. Odds aren't out. So they scramble. So then they put the odds out 10 days out of the card, right? And the then- odds go out like two months in advance now. Like these, lo- by the time we sit around to talk about them, they've been out four months. For sure. Well, not the whole card, but. The yeah, they've got a, they've got cards, an idea. These they've cards. been getting a lot faster at it. They're, we used to have to wait when we did our show back in the day. We would have to wait. Like there were oh, plenty yeah, so, of Mondays where, so like, long. we used to record on Mondays, and there was plenty of times where it's just like, well, the odds aren't even out. We can't talk about the fight the fight card if there's no nothing out. Like it's pretty much always out by Monday. It's usually they like releasing them during like a card that's going on because they know that all of the guys that like to attack those early lines they're all watching because they have money yeah. bet on yeah. it so it's like watch they'll release uh whatever uh the next one's a pay-per-view but then whatever the other card after that is they'll release like a bunch of those lines like during this thing on saturday night yeah savvy I- move. i'm saying because there's been a two-week gap people have had a lot of time to mm-hmm. pre- prepare for this card is priced accordingly, man. Yeah, I agree. The favorites are the actual favorites. And the coin flips look yeah, like but, legitimate but, coin but flips. That, but that's the thing. The coin flips look like legitimate coin flips, and there's a good amount of coin flips on this. Yep. So so I would love there's to say... spots to make money, but... Dog or pass, but they fuck you because the dogs are plus 100, plus 120, plus 110. It's like... Not enough meat on the bone. No, no, that's not... It's not a full-fledged, like, you don't feel good about your dog play, you know? You want that plus money. You don't mind you don't mind giving up a couple advantages here and there when you're getting plus money, but you don't want to be giving up sizable or at least, you know, easily readily available to see issues and holes in your fighter's game when you're not getting that good of a price tag. But it, it's priced right. I got oh. a good feeling about it, but it's priced right. All right. Hit us with the PRP and we'll be on our way. Yeah, this is gonna be an ugly one. We're gonna go with Alistair Overeem. Bam. We're gonna take Marina Rodriguez. Bam. We're gonna go with Ben Rothwell. We're gonna take Aspen Lad. We're gonna take Song Yudong. We're going to take... I really want to go Rob Font, but just the more I'm thinking about I have no dogs, it's like, maybe I should take Ricky Because Sanders. you want a dog doesn't mean I know, I know. That's dog, dog chasing's bad. Dog chasing's bad. We're going to go Tim Means. We're going to go Billy for sure. Matt Sales, bitch. Let's do it. 
Joe Selecki, Verna Jandanova, Makman Muradov. Um, you know, I've hit three perfect cards in my life, right? And one of them was a 12 fight card, 11 favorites, and one dog. But mm-hmm. it's like, you got to have that one dog. It's so, Bryce Mitchell. Yeah. I, <laughs> I got it written down. It's Bryce Mitchell or Ricky Simon. Who else? This might, is the PRP. Who you might, know who Pogi Rob's favorite fighter is and who I, I think he did tell me that he is buying a Thug Nasty t shirt should he win on Saturday night. Pogi Rob. Wow. Wow. There you go. There you go. I ain't throw ten bucks on. If you watch, on, uh, if on you watch his season of the Ultimate Fighter, he's got to remember they got. Yeah, I can always hedge out that main event too. It's like, come on, you can. If you get to that, oh, point, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. get to that no, point, like you are hedging. I'm out of here. You are hedging out fully at yeah, that point. Yeah, but uh, sure. you got to get there, obviously. Yeah, uh, you know what? I'll just throw this in right there. I thought because it's Pogi Rob, if we need to get a dog in there, word on the street is Pogi Rob doesn't like the Dirty Bird. So maybe he should take Tiago Alves, and, uh, and there you go. There's your dog. But I, I, I think Tim Means pulls it off. Nobody understands that <laughs> reference. No, but you did, and maybe he did, and he listens. So. Oh, yeah, he, he listens. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, all jokes aside, one of the dogs is going to come through. It's up to who you like. But, yeah, the last thing on Bryce Mitchell is when he's on The Ultimate Fighter, he's uh, Augie Kubo's on the season. Augie Kubo don't speak English, right? And so they're, like, sitting there, and I remember he's just, like, in Arkansas, he's, like, He's like, you ever eat squirrel? He's like, yeah, we shoot him out of a tree. Bang. He's like, it's real good. I was like, yeah, this the guy, kid, the guy walks kid, through. The, uh, he's got, he's got markability written all over him. He could be a big star, but it's like, he's, he's got to show up and show real skills. And this is a tough fight. Matt Sales is not a walker. He walks through like cow shit to get to the gym. Man. Yeah. Like, that's what I mean. He's like, he, he, he's got personality. He's got a fun story. He's a fun fighter, but just like Jason Knight, who has all that shit. Jason Knight couldn't capitalize on an elite level. So he goes to bare knuckle boxing, a little sideshow. He's the man. Mm-hmm. And he's fighting two guys at once in a bathroom stall. He's, he's the a- man. <laughs> but he's fighting in the octagon. It's like, dude, that's Ricardo Lama standing in front of you. This is not like, this is not a weekend at the fucking local bar and grill. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. So anyways, leave you with that. Back in action. What you're saying is that Jason Knight and, uh, have to fight us and Bryce Mitchell are the kind of guys that you're seeing at about. 12.30 a.m. fighting at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. I watched a guy one time win an amateur fight. They're the fight. guy, I thought this was America. Yeah, I, I, America? I, I saw a hillbilly kid one time win an amateur fight in Rochester, New York, right? Come four hours across, party, two in the morning, wearing the title that he just won an amateur fight, ends up fighting some drunk local guy at the party, submits him with a fucking Kimura Triangle. It was sick. Uh, in the bag, drunk, while wearing a title on. It's like, you don't see that shit unless you're at hillbilly stuff, man. Like, it just doesn't happen otherwise. And, uh, yeah, man, you can't... Here's the thing that's become of the sport, Paul, right? It used to be, this guy's a martial artist. He knows taekwondo. He knows karate. He knows this stuff. Then it turns out, mm, that didn't really get you prepared for a real fight. It's like, okay, well, this guy can wrestle. But then it got to a period, like, you have to be a fighter. You, gotta have, you have to have that desire. These guys fight 50, 60 times a year. You know who's not an athlete? Jeremy Horn. You know who's a fighter? Jeremy Horn. This guy fucking fought 35 times in one year, mostly at house parties, because he likes to fight. Mm-hmm. So now the sport's gotten to a period of time where it's like it's, it is athletes. There's less fighters. There's more athletes. These guys are collegiate wrestlers or you know they're, they're coming from some great pedigree, whether it's football, whether it's you know, basketball, whatever it may be, track and field. 
they're taking their conditioning seriously. They're doing all these things. But that little element, it's just like the grinder, the enforcer in hockey getting phased out. That, it's still there a little bit. There are still fighters there. This motherfucker is a fighter. And when you're a fighter and you've got a good gas tank and you push a mad pace, you're going to win fights. In mass sales, maybe mass sales gas tank lets them off a little bit. Maybe the ground game hurts them a little bit. I don't want to think about it because I got sales. But it's like, yeah, I got I got to fully on recognize that Bryce Mitchell's got a shot as a dog. Cody Saftik, ladies and gentlemen, you can follow him on Twitter at CJ Saftik. You can follow me, Paul Shaughnessy, at Paul Shag. For Cody, I am Paul saying goodbye and good luck. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com